Foul to give for Houston. Nine tenths left. A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Midweek Exception. This week's episode titled Farewell Steve Nash. Obviously a bit of a reference to the fact that he uh, has retired. So I'm John and joining me this week is Grant. Hello everybody. So yeah, we are very shorthanded this week actually. Um, Both Ayush and Justin are uh, we're unavailable today. So uh, we're just going to have to run like a bit of a two-man game today yeah, i think keep it uh short and simple and then you know people really just get to hear all of our opinions i don't know if i'm going to be able to rant today though i don't know if there's a topic i need to rant about so we'll see and yeah. i actually have like the like uh room to do it with only two of us oh geez yeah I, i'm looking up and down like the notes we have for today but uh there's not really a hell of a lot of stuff that we can kind of like dive into and, like argue about or get angry about except for maybe one topic which i guess will We'll dive into uh, in a little bit. So I guess first off, we should mention that Steve Nash has retired. Um, as noted in our show notes, it says Steve Nash fucking retired. Nothing is worth being happy about, which maybe is a bit of an exaggeration. But I know personally, Steve Nash was one of my favorite players, one of the people that kind of got me into watching basketball because I am a sucker for assist first point guards. Like there's something about that. that I think it's just really, really awesome. That's why I like Ricky Rubio and... Uh, you know, those kind of point guards, uh, Rondo. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. Um, the something that someone had tweeted out, um, I completely forgot who said it, so obviously it's not the best research. But uh, for ranks of Steve Nash-led offenses from 2001 to 2010, they were 1, 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 2, 2, 1. So obviously Steve Nash led a awesome, awesome, awesome offensive game for uh, the teams that he played for. And uh, I guess I'm just opening this up. It's kind of a no-brainer, I think. But uh, is he one of the best players to never win a championship? Oh, easily. I mean, Steve Nash is... I, I think the list of ones and twos that you just listed speaks for itself. I mean, and you really you put it perfectly. He was just fun to watch. He was a fun just person, personality around the game. I mean, one of uh, my big memories from Nash was when he helped out Amari in the dunk contest and did, like, the header to him for the dunk. Just little things like that. Like, Steve Nash all around was just an entertaining, really fun, great basketball player to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, reading off those, like, lists of, like, the offenses that he led, I mean, you have to also give credit, obviously, to, like, Mike D'Antoni and, you know, the people that were surrounding him and encouraged to run those kind of offenses. But he just did so much for... uh, those teams that he was on yeah he definitely had like this really positive and this kind of like, upbeat demeanor he just seemed like a really fun guy to uh make it sound like he was like, at a funeral or something he's not dead but uh well i guess in plain terms he is but uh but yeah a bit of a bummer that he retired but also i think the writing was kind of on the wall seeing as how things were the last two years in la yeah i mean he was his body just couldn't hold up anymore um there's just no way it could go through the rigors of an NBA season again. I think he proved that to himself 
Um, I think, I mean, as people have been saying, he's been retired for a while. I think as of this summer, when he like slipped some slipped or was carrying or playing like a bag and messed up his back, or I don't know if that was an excuse by him or not, but um, I think when he went through the off season and realized what just training for the year was putting his body through, he had planned to retire. But then what's come out recently is that the L.A. Lakers front office asked him to not retire so they could keep his salary on the books and possibly trade it for something, whether that be a pick, maybe, you know, Kobe's playing really well and they're contending for, like, you know, an eight seed somehow, and they trade it for a player. Regardless of what it was, they would have had about $9 million, like, you know, of, of free cap room, like, should he not retire, and they move him. And so, like, the great person Steve Nash is, he accepted that, and what we're learning now is that happened, you know, all the way ba- basically back in October. Right, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, like, I think he went out the best way he could regarding, I mean, given, like, the circumstances surrounding things as of lately, you know, there's a lot of Lakers fans that are obviously kind of frustrated with the fact that things didn't pan out with him on the team and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, that's exactly, well, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, And a lot of the hate came this year. I think there's, a, like, a Instagram or something of him playing golf and Lakers fans just freaked out because they're like, you know, you're not going to come play with the team, but you can go play golf like you're still using your back. And, you know, now we're learning that, you know, Steve Nash was probably, you know, essentially retired during a lot of that. And he was just actually being, you know, a a nice person by foregoing his retirement for a little bit so the Lakers could use it. Definitely. So, yeah, one of those things, you know, obviously a lot of, like, players and reporters are, uh, you know, the day they announced his retirement kind of put out some tweets about it and some articles were kind of written about how much he did for uh for the teams that he was on that he was like a really good teammate i know dirk Nowitzki put out some some comments about it that were both funny and also kind of like heartwarming so yeah it's worth uh digging those up and taking a look at those so and i guess additionally kind of bummer news uh specifically this time for oklahoma city fans and i guess kind of uh, basketball fans in general is that kevin durant has been shut down indefinitely from basketball activity um this news broke on monday I believe. No? Friday. Well, let's Friday, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so Kevin Durant shut down from any basketball activity. Obviously kind of puts things in limbo, I think, for the Thunders season if it wasn't already kind of in this weird state of limbo. And are we going to get the ace seed? What's going to happen to us? Um, so with Durant and Ibaka out, you know, it's uh, it, they are in a really kind of tricky situation, I think. And um, yeah, you know, so I know like over the last couple of weeks for the podcast, we've talked about, are they going to get the eighth seed and stuff like that? And obviously Westbrook has been playing completely out of his mind and Cantor has looked really good for the thunder as well. So I'm starting to really lean on thinking that they will get the eighth seed. Like it's almost a given, I think at this point, but I guess you, you never know. Um, so they're yeah, just, they're really, they're lucky that uh, the Pelicans are just totally choking out like they're just absolutely choking out of this entire playoff race yeah what they happened? lost three in a row they're they're only 500 over their last 10 like they were playing really well and then they go on this losing streak and you know okc is barely keeping it together but they still won three in a row 
And that and now you know they're separated all of a sudden by three games where we were tied a couple games ago. And I mean those little losing streaks, you you just can't lose three in a row when you're battling for an eight seed. I think that's just really hurting them. And then all of a sudden Phoenix is back in the thick of things. They're still only two and a half games back because they're on a four game winning streak. Uh, that eight seed is still interesting, and I think a lot of us figured OKC was going to be able to grab the eight seed because we thought. Kevin Durant was coming back basically like today because that was in halfway through the uh, when they had said, oh, he's going to be back in a week or two. He's getting ready. Now all of a sudden he's totally shut down. I mean, I don't know. Obviously the Thunder are a, a good team, but can they keep, you know, performing at this level? And, you know, I think a lot of how they were getting by was they a lot of the players thought Kevin Durant was going to be back and they're you know so they just had to you know play really really hard and just leave it all on the floor now and then they're going to you know get carried by KD coming back a little bit and that looks like it's not going to be the case yeah so when I first heard this news I was obviously trying to read into it a ton trying to look for like other perspectives and stuff so I'm not quite sure what this what this really means for Kevin Durant this season does does this mean like He's just done even like regarding postseason stuff or or what exactly, you know, he's I mean, if he even comes back for the playoffs, I'm not sure a Kevin Durant who's coming off of like a foot injury is exactly what you is exactly going to put them in a position to beat like Golden State or the Grizzlies or they somehow get to like the seventh seed or something like that, you know? Yeah, Um I mean, he'd have to come back with a couple games left, and I think they'd have to see before they throw him into playoff basketball just because it's also so physical. And, I mean, if it's as bad as kind of it seems, imagine I can't imagine him being able to, you know, run up and down the court for, you know, 40 minutes and, you know, go balls to the wall. It just I don't know how effective he truly can be if his foot is actually, you know, as injured as it seems and they don't have the easiest schedule going out either so i don't know that whole eight seed in the west is interesting but with all these injuries it's starting to be a little bit of a bummer definitely i mean like the nba is a lot more fun to watch when all the teams are at full strength and you can have those really really awesome matchups going on um like night in night out then obviously in the playoffs you want you know all the like the star players to be at full health. Um, just like you said, though, I'm looking at their schedule from here on out, and it is not exactly uh, in their favor necessarily. Yeah, the Spurs coming up, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Rockets, the Spurs again, uh, Trailblazers. Definitely one of those situations where you almost hope that they they can do well um but I don't know. I don't know if Westbrook really has it entirely in him to to really keep a uh, keep this team alive. You know, I think they'll get the AC, seed, but in the playoffs, you know, I I don't think they will be able to perform particularly well against whether they face um the Warriors or the Grizzlies. Probably the Warriors, though, right? There's like no chance that they make it to the seven seed. No, they'd have to gain three and a half games on Dallas. I mean. No, I, I'd say there's pretty much just no way. Yeah, I mean, the Mavericks are have been such like an odd team, though, I think, this season. Like, they'll go on, like, you know, a, a three-game winning streak, then lose two, and I don't know. I think it's a lot of it is working the things out with a grinder, but at the end of the day, I think they, they probably do hold on to that seed. 
Okay, I have a quick question. I don't want to get totally off track. Yeah, sure. But I just had a, a thought. I want to see your take on this. If Houston holds the three and Dallas moves up to the six, how confident are you in Dallas's ability to upset Houston in the first round? That's tough. That is really, really tough. And I'd actually like that matchup a lot just because I think it'd be fun to have Parsons go up against the Rockets. Oh, boy. I think that Dallas could do it because to me, even like the Rockets, like, you know, they they do have like an MVP candidate on the team and someone who I think should win the MVP and James Harden. But at the end of the day, you know, in the playoffs, I don't know. I I'd almost have to give it to the Mavericks, I think, to pull off an upset there because maybe I'm just really naive when I look at the Rockets, but I don't see a hell of a lot there outside of, you know, Harden and obviously um if uh oh my gosh Dwight Howard sorry I almost forgot his name uh him coming back obviously he's a he's a threat but he didn't look himself really at all this season he's been injured for so long so uh you know Demo's obviously a good player as well Trevor Ariza Corey Brewer it's like the more I think about it like working this out aloud like there is a lot that Houston does have but I don't know I almost I want to say the Mavericks would upset them though yeah, I'm trying to see. Is Dwight's coming back in the next like week, right? Yeah, like I feel like I read the other day. It was kind of like a well, whenever you know, whenever you're ready to come back, kind of a deal. And you know, really, do you think Dwight Howard is that much of like an X factor for as to what happens with the Rockets in the playoffs? I'm gonna say yeah. I think I really do think Dwight Howard could hold the key to Houston making it to the conference final. And I know I made that sound like it was totally, you know, like a far out, like not realistic thing. That's really probably the easiest statement somebody could make. Right. But I, I do, I, I think people are really underselling him this year because I think a lot of people are saying, I can't believe Houston's in third. Like, look at James Harden carrying the team. Like, he's the best player out there. Let's just quickly remember like the uh, first round series against Portland last year where he looked dominant in a few of those games. Like if he's anywhere near that uh, and they can rely on him for a game or two, not even down the stretch, but just to set the pace, you know, at the beginning of the game, just come in, get like 12 points in the first half, grab down 10 boards, do things like that. Like he was doing last year and then let, you know, Harden come and finish him off. Cause they're, they're definitely a better team this year. They're, they're more deep. They've got more playoff experience. James Harden has, you know, has another playoff series under his belt. He's now within this system. I think if Dwight Howard's playing anywhere near where he was, you know, in round one of last year, they're going to be a team to beat. And I think a lot of people are going to look over them. Granted, if he's not anywhere near that, Dallas has a damn good chance of upsetting them because I think on the same token, I think we're going to see playoff Derek this year. And I think it's going to be magnificent in round one yeah no definitely then obviously you know the point guard battle between beverly and uh and rondo you know he's almost at the point where you might as well foul rondo because if he gets to the line he's not gonna make the free throws yeah i mean i don't we probably don't want to go into all the rondo stuff but really what the hell like I don't, yeah i don't know it, man but watch him come on and like just not miss a free throw in the playoffs or something and like shoot like 40% from three, something ridiculous. And it's just like the most extreme version of, uh, you know, regular season round versus playoff Rondo. Yeah, 
yeah, seriously. So, I mean, just to quickly note also for Dwight Howard, um, I was just looking at basketball reference while we were talking, and I guess Wednesday, so today, assuming that the podcast, I put it up Tuesday night, um, he should be back playing against the Pelicans. That's kind of the targeted return, I guess, for him. And he hasn't played a game since uh, January 25th. No, 23rd, I'm sorry, against Phoenix when he only played uh, eight minutes. So, yeah, it'll be... Uh, It'll be interesting for him to come back just to see how he performs, you know, coming back from an injury that has really take has uh, hindered his ability to play for like such a long time. Two months, I mean, it's a while. Yeah, but is it bad that I think they would almost benefit more by waiting like another week or week and a half, maybe even two weeks, and give him like just two full weeks of games, three full weeks of games before the playoffs to get healthy instead of, I don't know, I feel like, a full month. I don't know if he needs that much to get back in shape. And um, he seems to be such an injury liability. I'd just be so worried putting him back in the lineup. Like what weird injuries he going to get next? Like which part of his body is going to start falling apart next? That's like the really tricky part is, um, you know, like it seems like that's kind of the theme of this season is like, well, people are injured. When should they come back? How much time is enough to get them ready for the playoffs without having to be concerned about them re-aggravating something? So, you know, obviously the Bulls reactivated Jimmy Butler in yesterday's game where he played pretty decently, I thought. Um, Dwight Howard, obviously, is going back. And then I guess this kind of leads into our next story. Paul George is cleared to play. So a lot of different opinions kind of going around about this. Some people think he might as well come back this season. Some people are saying it's not even worth it. The Pacers are going nowhere. They're not going to get to the playoffs. I mean, maybe with Paul George back, they do make the playoffs. So, but, you know, it's quick thing that we have noted is that the Pacers are on a six game losing streak right now. Um, I know Rodney Stuckey was injured the other day. He had like a calf injury or something like that. So I'm sure that didn't exactly help them out the other night when facing, um, who were they playing last night? Was it the Cavs? Oh, I think so. Let's see. <laughs> Yeah, so we should probably pull that up and uh, take a gander at that. Rockets. But, Rockets. Okay, well, there you go. This is a nice segue. We went right from Rockets into uh, Pacers. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, personally, I don't think he should even bother coming back this season, even if he does come back and they do make the playoffs. I know you're super, super stoked for a Paul George and Pacers versus Hawks uh, matchup in the uh, first round of the playoffs. But, um. I just don't see. I don't see a point to it. To be completely honest with you, I think you should shut them down for the rest of the season. Um, the rest of their schedule for the Pacers isn't particularly favorable right now, facing a lot of teams that are actually battling right now for a spot in the East playoffs, facing the Heat, the Celtics, and the Hornets again. Then facing the Wizards, the Bucks, Mavs, Nets, Knicks, Pistons, Thunder, Grizzlies. I'm curious to see where you stand on this because I know like how much you really are pulling for a uh, Indiana Atlanta first round matchup again. Yeah, I mean, I selfishly want him to come back, um, and I don't know if I were a Pacer fan, I think I would probably want him to come back too, mostly because I think not that their window is closing, but this group. I think this group's windows, especially, I mean, David West is definitely out the door very soon. Um, but this group in general, it, it's just starting to look more and more different. And they're headed for kind of 
uh, a mini overhaul, I think, pretty soon. Yeah. So as a Pacer fan, I think I would want him to come back uh, just to see what they could do with one more shot. Because, again, look what happened to the league-leading Pacers last year against the you know, a, a underperforming Hawks team, you know, a sub-500 Hawks team. They get pushed to the brink. So I think especially with the East, too, I think a lot of Pacer fans and Pacers in general look at a team like the Cavs and a team like the Bulls and say, we've seen you guys before. We've played you guys really, really tough before with worse teams than we have right now. Like. I think they want a shot, and I think they would want to make a run. And I think if Paul George feels uh, healthy enough to play, and I think by feeling healthy, I don't just mean physically. I think mentally it's going to be a huge thing for him. Right. I think if he can get over that mental block of you know, having your leg break in half and he can go out on a basketball court and play with confidence and you know he's done all his rehab and, if he's again, he's medically cleared to play, I would want him to return. I'd want, and but I'd want a full like two, three weeks of him return just to, to see kind of what he has. And you know, if he comes back and doesn't feel comfortable, I think they should not be afraid to shut him down. But I think right. that's really going to be really, really hard to do. No, I, I'd be inclined to agree with that. That like if he doesn't come back and there's it's it's apparent that he's not. Uh... Sorry, hold on. I have to get my thoughts. Okay, if he comes back and he is not like feeling it like he's clearly uncomfortable then there should be no problem being like all right let's shut it down you know next year we'll try to regroup and make another run at this but yeah i think the window is kind of closing for the pacers right now um espn put out a little uh a little ranking of uh the various front offices in the nba so do you think we should run down the whole list or should we run through like the first like top 10 or whatever maybe let's do top 15 Cool. Do you want to take it? Sure. All right. So in first, we've got the Spurs, followed by the Warriors, Heat, Mavericks, Rockets, Trailblazers, Celtics, Hawks, Bulls, Pacers coming in at 10th, followed by the uh, Raptors, Grizzlies, Thunder, Bucks shooting into the top 15, and wrapping up the top 15 is the Utah Jazz. You know, I think we're actually going to run through all of these just because... It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. no, keep going. So, all right, so that covers the top 15 that ended on the Jazz. Uh, starting the second half of the league is the Cavaliers, the Clippers, Suns, Pistons. 20th is the 76ers. Then the Wizards, Pelicans, Magic, Kings at 25 are the Hornets. Then the Timberwolves, Nuggets, Lakers, Nets, and rounding out the worst front office in the NBA is none other than Phil Jackson's New York Knicks. Gosh, no surprise there. For me, the bottom had to either be the Knicks or... Uh, for some reason, I thought 76ers would make it to the very bottom, but I guess that's not really fair to them. Nuggets also could have been like that bottom team, but I suppose the Knicks kind of do trump everyone else in regards of just being really shitty at their front office jobs. Yeah, the Nets really bottomed out too. Last year they were 15th, and now they dropped down to 29th. And the Bucks shot way up. Let's see. Bucks went from 29th to 14th, so basically the Bucks and the Nets just like switched places. And that actually kind of holds true. I feel like they kind of switched places in the East too. No, I they definitely did. I mean, I guess the exchange of Jason Kidd between both teams, they kind of swapped places. 
Oh, yeah, wow. even more and more similarities. The one that I'm a little bit curious about is the Cavs resting at 16. They obviously went up quite a bit from last year. Last year they were at 27th, um, 16th now. Were you a little bit surprised to not see them crack into the top, like maybe 13 or top 10 even? I will say I think that seeing the Cavs at 16th really helped the credibility of this uh, front office poll to me mm-hmm. because it shows me that uh, the voters on this do realize that the Cavaliers front office really doesn't have much to do with LeBron coming home. And the only reason the Cavs are good and relevant is because LeBron came home. And that was, again, LeBron's decision. But, you know, they deserve to be in the top of the league because, you know, again, they made it work. They, they did the little things they had to do to make salaries happen. You know, they figured everything out. They signed Kyrie. They drafted, well, you know, most of the right players. They, they fucked up with Anthony Bennett. But, you know, they got Kyrie. They clearly showed him that they were, they showed LeBron that they were open, you know, to making moves. But again, at the end of the day, the reason the Cavs are good is because LeBron is there. Nothing really, the front office went out of their way. They didn't really assemble a great team. It was kind of like they had a team and then LeBron decided he wanted to go back to his old team and then make a bunch of moves to get Kevin Love and, you know, now Moscow's and things like that. Definitely. It's one of those things like I do look at the Cavs team now and like, I guess it's kind of what surprises me is the fact they did make some really, really good moves. That's why I would have almost placed them in the top 10, I think, personally. I mean, you get J.R. Smith, who's been playing out of his mind. And maybe I'm looking at, like, select, like, stat lines or something, but he has been playing very, very well for that Cavs team. Oh, Um, yeah, I think the J.R. Smith and the Shumpert was really, I mean, at the time, I I said, like, we are going to see, you know, a mini resurgence of of J.R. He's got, you know, when J.R. has something to play for, he plays really well, but when he's on a Knicks team that's winning one of every 20 games, he's going to go out and party. Like, what else is there to do here? But I don't know. I really, I guess I'm of the mindset, too, that LeBron is the, the cast front office. So I think, again, our LeBron saying, hey, those guys are available. Go out and get him. Oh, you know, Mozgov is available. We need a center. I like the way he fits. You know, he's been around for a few years. He knows what he's doing. Same thing with J.R. Smith and Shumpert. They've been on winning teams. They've been in the playoffs. I've, and I saw more of the mindset LeBron is running the show. So I don't know if that should translate to the front office, you know, raking as highly. So, I mean, I think that I personally think they're right where they need to be. I understand a lot of your argument. I just, I, do, I think it's less the front office. It's more uh, a factor of LeBron. Yeah, it's like just having the name LeBron James, like knowing that he kind of runs the show. I mean, like, think about it. Last season, there was, I mean, last offseason, I guess, there was so many rumors swirling around about Kevin Love, where he's going to go, and he made it very apparent, like, I would not mind playing with LeBron James in Cleveland or wherever he's playing. You know, yeah, you're definitely right with that, that uh, just having LeBron on a team brings players there, and uh, it wasn't exactly a hard sell for the the Timberwolves to move Kevin Love to Cleveland because... You know, what do you get in return? You get Anthony Bennett. You get Andrew Wiggins. He's obviously been doing a hell of a lot for them this season and uh, looks to be a really great player. So, yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, I think a lot of these rankings are pretty spot on. I mean, the Bulls did drop from fifth to ninth, but I think that a lot of that might have to do. Do you think like they take like rumors and stuff into account? Because obviously it's like the rumors of the kind of rift between Tibbs and uh, the front office right now. I mean, I would think so. I think that 
especially the ongoing rumors reflect reflect poorly on the front office and i think it should you know translate into these ratings um a little bit i think the bulls as an organization should be slightly embarrassed for what's happening right now i think the front office should be slightly embarrassed i think uh they are treating this very poorly i think it is extremely unprofessional how they are how they have been leaking um, all these little stories and the fact that they're interested in Hoiberg, all this stuff. And it just, I really believe that someone inside the Bulls is making this very known, and especially inside the front office, because I think they are kind of testing the fans and letting the fans know this could be happening. And then, you know, so it's an easier transition. And I think that's extremely unprofessional, especially when you have a top five, really a top three NBA coach coaching your team right now it's it's bad it's unprofessional and i think if it continues especially if tibbs is gone the bulls should drop out of probably should definitely drop out of the top 10 and if they lose tibbs maybe the top 15 and i i really i really believe that i mean i think it goes to like what you said like it is incredibly unprofessional to leak out information like who knows if it is a person in the front office it could just be beat reporters making stuff up it could be you know, I know um, what, what's his name, Chris Sheridan or whatever, the guy who used to work for ESPN and got fired or whatever. I know he was like spreading stuff around early in the season, like, oh, you know, I don't drop these things off, you know, drop these like hints off for everyone, but uh, Tibbs could be out and or he will be out or whatever he said. But I remember getting really pissed off about that. And then the more I'm looking at things, the more I'm reading about, it, the more nervous, you know, I would get, I guess, if you're a Bulls fan. Um, about that kind of stuff because it's starting to look like there is some weight to these things and um, certainly if they lose Tibbs I think they have to drop down like you know to falling somewhere between the let's see probably like 20th to the 10th spot for their uh, rankings next year it would just be a huge error um, yeah my biggest disappointment here is the Hornets uh, and really I guess it's just the Hornets as a whole I'm disappointed in I expected a lot more from them. I really thought that they had kind of turned things around. They turned a corner. Um, they still have a chance to make it, you know, to the playoffs, but they're probably not going to do anything when they get there. I know they've uh, battled some injuries, and even like the Lance Stevenson signing. You know, when that happened, I was like, "That is a great signing. I'm happy for the Hornets. They get another player. They add another piece. That you know, hopefully he can assimilate." into that team a little, a little better. And, you know, they can some, you know, they can play together, develop some team chem and they really, they they have not had much success doing that. So instead of possibly, you know, shooting into a top 20 front office, they've dropped since last year. And really just in in general, it's, it's unfortunate where the Hornets are at at the moment. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I was in the same boat, like Lance Stevenson signing. I was like, Oh, this is huge. This is going to be great for them. You know, Another piece, he obviously played pretty well with the Pacers. I mean, outside of some of his hijinks and weird things he would do, um, he was like a relatively uh, well, uh, well-liked well player there in Indiana. So obviously things have not panned out for him really. And uh, yeah, no, the Hornets are seeing them dip that low is kind of disappointing when you think – at the beginning of the season, if you even consider these rankings, because I completely forgot these things even drop. Um, I, I'd assume, you know, they would probably move up quite a bit through that signing and just some other front office stuff they've done. But uh, yeah, obviously things are not looking good for them. Um, Spurs number one kind of seems like a given. Yeah, I have a question. Sure. Would you call me crazy if I said 
the Warriors deserve to be number one this year. No, I would not think you're crazy because that would actually make a lot of sense. I think. I think um, a lot of people would probably agree with that. Honestly, um, looking at how they performed this season, they definitely deserve to to get that number one spot. You know, I think too is it's not like by any means like a slap in the face to them or anything, but. Number one, I think Warriors definitely get consider, you know, getting rid of Mark Jackson, bring in Steve Kerr. Not biting on Caleb and keeping Clay Thompson. Yeah. They did a lot, right? Like I and don't get me wrong, I totally understand the logic of the Spurs being number one and that they have to be number one because they are number one. You know, they are the reigning champions. They brought uh, everyone back. They've still got Greg Popovich there, you know, they're still you know, the dynasty is still alive. However, just for this specific season, I, again, for the reasons we say it, I think the Warriors certainly have a case for number one because of really the, the drastic difference that the Warriors as a whole are this year compared to years past when they were just a middling playoff team versus a legitimate title contender playing lights-out basketball. Um, so I guess going from that, we should just go ahead and just let everyone know about some teams that have clinched playoff spots as of today is the golden state warriors, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Atlanta Hawks, Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Chicago bulls. So uh, already we're starting to see some uh, teams clinching spots in the playoffs. So do you want to dive into some games that people should be watching in the upcoming week? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, I'm going to cheat this week and I'm going to pick two. Okay. Do you want me to give the stats of our current yeah, go for it. Sure. So for the podcast right now, I am resting at two and one after correctly guessing last week that the Grizzlies would beat the Trailblazers. Unfortunately, Grant, you have slipped to below five hundred. You are now one and two. And in our notes I have failed to recognize that the dubs are that good as they managed to beat the Hawks. Yeah. And you know, shit happens. Right, yeah. Um, Ayush wasn't on last week, so he still sits at 2-0, and Justin is 3-0 right now, correctly guessing that the Spurs would beat the Hawks, and our podcast now rests at 8-3, and so that's pretty good still. We're, we're not doing bad. Yeah, um, so my cheat is I'm going to pick two games because one is happening tomorrow night, so in case people are listening to this later on in the week, I don't want this to be... Um, or like, you know, is second to be irrelevant. So I'm going to also pick one that's happening a week from now. Um, they're both battle for eight seeds in the Eastern Conference because that, I've been enthralled with that for about the last month of the NBA season. I'm loving this Eastern Conference eight seed battle. To me, it's extremely entertaining. Um, so to, tomorrow night is the Heat visiting the Celtics. Um, the Heat have less to lose. They're pretty solidly in seventh place right now. I think it'd be... It'd be surprising if they uh, drop down much more. They're playing good basketball. The Celtics are kind of fighting for their lives. Um, and I don't know. I'm just I'm really interested with the Celtics team because I liked Isaiah Thomas like before, but I really like kind of Isaiah Thomas unleashed. And now Evan Turner is even playing well. I mean, I, I don't necessarily like Evan Turner that much as a player, but he's playing really, really good basketball. And just the Celtics in general, I mean, it's like I don't like them, but I respect the Celtics. And, I mean, they're just doing everything right. And Brad Stevens is an awesome coach. I'm going to look for the Celtics to win that game because I think they are fighting for their life and they're on a roll. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I completely agree with everything that you're saying. They are on a roll right now. I think Isaiah Thomas is huge for them. Um, he was DNP yesterday, right? I think yeah. he was. So hopefully he's back for the game against the Heat. So I can see that being my, huge uh, for them. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. For my other game, I'll quickly run that down. It's also involving the Celtics. However, this one is a direct battle for the eighth seed it's the celtics visiting the hornets happening uh six days from now so next monday another one where i think i'm expecting the celtics win i think i want to pick the celtics in both of these because i just really think they're playing good basketball um i think they've got the eighth seed and i think they want to hold on to it uh if, you, if you've been listening to the bs report at all uh recently bill simmons has talked a lot about the celtics and I believe kind of what he's saying about that. They're at the point where two picks better to get the 13th pick instead of the 15th pick isn't worth it to this team that more they're ready to you know, see the playoffs and just the excitement that would be around this team because of their history. Like They don't need to tank out of the playoffs to get two more picks. So I'll, I'll look for them to win both these and kind of go into the playoffs with a bit of a role. You're all about the Celtics right now. I am, but deep down I'm really like – I want the Pacers to get the A seed if Paul George is playing. I want the Celtics to get the eighth seed if Paul George isn't playing. Is that fair? Yeah, no, that that completely works with me. I will, uh, I'll allow that. I think. As but the, like uh, even the Hornets, if the Hornets get it, I'd be cool with that too. Like I'd be fine watching the the Hornets in the playoffs. I'd like to see Kemba and Al Jefferson just, you know, tag team that. Like it, it'd be entertaining. But I think they would lose a lot worse than the Celtics and the Pacers, so that's why they are power ranked, power ranked last in for me right now. I feel like you're uh, you're almost more invested in the battle for the eighth and the East and the West right now. Oh, I definitely am. I said like I'm bummed out by the battle for the A seed in the West. Like it's cool. Like it, it should have been entertaining. You know, every like once a month, Anthony Davis gets injured or some other big piece on the Pelicans is injured and now they're starting to lose. And now KD is out for at least, you know, another week or two. It's indefinite. Surge is out. Russell is playing like entire games, just going balls to the wall on offense and defense. It's just not as entertaining. And it's just sad. Like it could, it could be such a great, uh, you know, sprint to the finish over there. And I think we're kind of, we're getting more of that on the Eastern side. And it's also a bummer too because Anthony Davis probably isn't going to make the playoffs. That's a whole nother conversation though. You are focusing on the one and the two seed over there in the West right now. Are you not? Yes, I am. I have for my game of the week, um, Friday, Golden State at Memphis. Memphis won their earlier meeting this season um, in December, actually. Um, it should be noted, though, that Golden State was shorthanded. No Bogut, no David Lee, and a couple other guys. I'm still taking Memphis in this, though. You know, it might be a little bit naive of me to be that quick to say Memphis will win it, but I think just knowing Memphis is just the defense that they play and uh, just how good good of a team Memphis really is I could see I could see it going into overtime or being you know like a three point two point win for Memphis but I think it's going to be Memphis over Golden State on Friday making it 2-0 and for Memphis taking the lead in that uh, series this season I guess I should note also last week I picked Memphis so maybe I'm just on like a roll with them now I'm just going to keep picking them every week or something 
I mean, are we? Do we think it's going to be Memphis Old or Golden State in the conference finals? That is the question, I think. Or if we're even going to get Memphis in the conference finals, you know? I think Memphis has. Okay, you're gonna call me crazy, but I think Memphis has a better chance at the conference finals than Golden State does. I agree, completely agree with you. I I mean, again, this could be our Chicago bias right now, um, in valuing defense. But I just really think that Memphis's defense is gonna throw a lot of the teams in the West, especially a team like Golden State. It's just gonna they're gonna throw fits. I I just really believe in Memphis's defense and the fact that they have been there before and they're in the comp they've been in the conference finals. They've upset a Spurs team. You know, they've been around for about four years. Then they're all and you know, Gasol's really hitting his prime. They they've got all their players peaking almost at the right time and they've got an aging Zebo who still can put up twenty and ten. Uh I don't know. I right now I like Memphis to me is the favorite to come out of the West. And I, I don't understand why people are kind of putting them as that third or fourth team that has an outside chance at it. I, in my opinion, Memphis is the favorite. I feel like that's just the story for Memphis in general, like so consistently, like every season. You know, in past seasons, it's completely warranted, I think, that they are that team that's the outside chance of making it in. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely would agree putting Memphis in the, uh, the conference finals over Golden State, I think. Um, oddly enough, I'm just looking up the defensive rating, uh, ratings for both teams. Golden State actually sits at number one right now, and Memphis is at number two. So I guess I'll make it a fun matchup as well, just seeing these two d- defensively great teams going at it. Yeah, and I, I guess also I think Memphis is more equipped to handle um, like defensive basketball, I think, with their post-presence. Zebo and Gasol can overcome you know, a, a defensive juggernaut at any point. Whereas if Golden State, if they start shutting down their shooters, and again, I don't want to sell Golden State short here at all. They're an amazing basketball team. They're a great basketball team. I just think when we get to playoff basketball, it's going to be a little different of a story for them. And I think they're going to struggle a bit with just, I think, scoring in general. I think they might figure it out, but I want to see their style of play kind of I want to see them get out of the first round, you know, and then see how they're playing in the second round before I really am sold on Golden State in the playoffs. I know I'm in the same boat. I think a lot of people are also just they're kind of that like they're not. I I, I don't want to say they're a question mark team because they're not because everyone knows they're really good. But in the in the finals, you know, you have to or in the playoffs, I guess you have to wonder really how they perform in that kind of a situation. So that's a podcast, I think. Right. Anything yeah. else you want to dive into? Uh, I'm happy with that. I'm content with that too. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening and have a great remainder of the week. You've been listening to the Midweek Exception. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Follow us on Twitter at MWException.